in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of Flash of Steel. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and this is a very special episode of Three Moves Ahead. With me is the usual panel. <laughs> yeah, very special, because there's a moral to the story. Did someone get cancer? I think I did. With me is freelance writer Tom Chick. Hello, everyone. Uh, can I get anyone a coffee? Let me know if you'd like one, and I'll go to the kitchen for you. Freelance writer Julian Murdoch. I think I'm going for a, a serving of humble pie. And Bruce Garrick. Oh, there's going to be so much to talk about in this podcast. <laughs> we have just completed a four-player game of Dawn of War 2. Yes, this is the live, well, not quite live, but the almost live radio version of Tom vs. Bruce. 2v2 game of Dawn of War 2 with Bruce and I taking on the dream team of Tom <laughs> and Julian. I think calling it a two-player game is, is, is a four-player game, a 2v2, is a bit aggressive. Because really it was sort of like 2v1, where Tom and I added up to a whole player. Ah, so, how'd the game go, guys? <laughs> well, it was 14 minutes and 8 seconds, which is uh, pretty par for the course. That's one of the great things about Dawn of War, is uh, you get it out of the way quickly and you're ready to go again. Which, by the way, that wasn't our real game, right? That was the warm-up. That yeah, was that, the was, that's, that was the that's, how, that's how it always worked, by the way, for Tom versus Bruce, which is that uh, if Tom would lose, and I don't, I don't want to like give any spoilers here before we get to the end of this, but uh, if Tom would lose the game, he would uh, pull the whole, uh, okay, so now that you know how to play, let's, uh, let's play the real game. So, just so wait, we're not playing again? That was it? We just play one game? Hmm. Oh, for all the marbles. I would, played, I would have done a whole different thing if yeah, I'd known we were <laughs> The non-practice game strategy, yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, so... I just want to point out that I'm looking at a scoreboard here. Yeah, so the, we've got it right yeah. here in front of us. We've got a replay that, that Troy will post, and we've got right here all of the stats. So we can now discuss what happened yes. with hard data at our fingertips. Who, who wants to start? Hard data, hard so, data is, is, is a crime. I need achievements, but I don't need hard data about how bad I suck. Really? So, Julian, let me ask. Did you win in this match we just played? Did you manage to get any Xbox Live achievements? Did, did this match no. add to your gamer score? No, not at all. Huh. Me either. Did anyone so. get any gamer points out of this? No. Oh, so, th- so then it really doesn't count in the, in the whole sort of frame of life, right? Because exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That was so, my point. Yeah. None of this <laughs> mattered. The, the fact that Julian and I lost miserably doesn't matter. It doesn't count for anything. It's not reflected in our respective gamer scores. Or in our worth as human beings, really. (laughs) So someone, why doesn't someone sort of break down a a nice sort of uh, neutral recount of of what happened? I have no idea what the hell happened. Troy, you (laughs) won. You must have some idea what happened on the the battlefield. Well, if Troy's not going to take the... uh, take the mantle here uh i think i will um what happened was that uh what we were going to do is we were going to play a four-player game of uh dawn of war 2 and the original thought was that we would get we would incorporate all four races but uh that didn't really work out that well because uh julian uh 
fairly enough. Only really knows how to play the Space Marines, which is fine. I don't really. Which, I don't. Which also, clearly, actually, I don't even know how to play that. So I could have well, just played Orcs. <laughs> so, so the issue was that um, I've really only played the Space Marines and sort of the Eldar. I'm not really good at the Eldar. Troy apparently has the Eldar down, so he played them. Um, which left me and Julian with the Space Marines. Tom very gamely took the Tyranids. Uh, my understanding is that the Tyranids are really underpowered and terrible, which may, I, I hate to throw a bone to Tom there about uh, his miserable performance, but, uh, and, and we will, you know, painstakingly dissect every wrong move that Tom made in this entire game, but, uh, uh, the Tyranids, I understand, are really underpowered, and, uh, so it was a very, uh, very kind of stand-up-ish for uh, Tom to take the uh, the turn inside. Not an actual stand-up move, just stand-up well, it, it was a stand-up move. I, I really... I, 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 well, here's you know. what I was thinking. So that that is sort of... And basically what happened is we, we made no, no ground. I mean, it was some early on back and forth, and then it was just a matter of uh, Troy and Bruce pretty much just rolling up the map. Uh, yeah. We basically fought to defend our third of the map. Which you don't win very long if you're defending your third of a map when it's two sides. That's that's called losing. You can't really turtle in uh, Dawn of War Two. So here's what here's what I was thinking, and this was my big plan that I set up with Julian beforehand. Uh, was that I I don't think that the Tyranids suck. I'm actually quite fond of them, uh, and I don't know. I don't pretend to understand the conventional wisdom from the hardcore like player base of Dawn of War 2. I'm sure they have a whole different perspective on things that I, I'm, I've never been that hardcore a player. But just from my sort of like middle tier skill level, uh, my understanding is the Tyranids can actually be very good. And they they do a good job of offsetting, uh, the, the of sort of standing up against the Space Marines in that they have a lot of fast, cheap units and they can chip away at the, the Space Marines pretty well. So So my thinking was Julian was going to be our ranged dude and I was going to be the melee dude. Julian would sort of hang back and use suppression fire and sort of pin down other units, and then I would rush forward with some Hormagons and uh, I think they're called Reavers, the more powerful melee guys, and uh, and be Mr. Melee. And unfortunately, in theory, that sounds great. In practice, it's a little harder to do to keep all your units together, and I'm not, it wasn't Julian's fault or my fault. It's just really hard to do that, uh, especially when you can't talk, by the way. Uh, so what happened was <laughs> one of us was sort of ranged, the other was melee, and we were sort of doing our own thing after the very first part of the game, and it sort of fell apart. So that, that's my debriefing from my perspective. Uh, I, I think that covers it. I mean, I think that the the idea in general of taking Tyranids and going melee and using, like, you know, I mean, the, the the very first squads you get as Space Marines, the Devastator squads, are pretty good melee units. Put focus fire on them, and they can they can lay it down pretty well. Um, and so you don't. I think the Space Marines are nice because you actually have useful units at Tier One right off the bat. And hey guys, have we lost Troy? Have we actually lost him? Because I don't hear Troy at all. Yeah, I, I I'm here. Is, I'm here. Ah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Just, I I got out of Dawn of War two, and sometimes when I cut out of a Windows Live game, it cuts my microphone for some reason. Oh God, that awesome games for Windows Live like fight for the microphone. I yeah. love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway, I interrupted, so so we'll edit that out. But um, Julian, I interrupted uh, Julian talking about Devastator squads. No, I, w- I was just saying that the one of the nice things about the Space Marines is that you do get a pretty effective 
set of ranged units right off the bat. I mean, you can just build a couple devastator units and stick them next to a hero, and and you do okay, right? You can you can go toe to toe early in the game. Um, my my problem was that we made that first push, we got our first few points, we kind of got almost half the map, and then I got just wiped, and I never got back up. I mean, basically, once I got wiped, then I made, I, I made the mistake, I would think I made the mistake of going for Tier 2 too early, instead of rebuilding a full set of Devastator squads to back up Troy. And, and that's back. actually the problem, that's how you beat the Space Marines, is they have a harder time than the Tyranids bouncing back from from casualties. The Space Marines get fewer, more expensive units, so if you can use your cheaper units with the Tyranids to inflict casualties, you're sort of winning the overall equation as far as the game. I know exactly what Troy did to me. (laughs) I had no plan whatsoever. And it worked beautifully. Yeah, I mean, I, my basic strategy with the Eldar is to get a few troops out there to, you know, soak up some damage, play a delaying action, and then get uh, more advanced units up as quickly as I can. But I didn't really have to do that this time because um, Bruce was doing a great job uh, playing the, the territorial game. He captured the far distant uh, victory point and held that for a lot of the game, and that Fine. kept the countdown going down uh, as long as we held one of the other two. Because it wasn't until quite late in the game, probably the last five minutes, that there was a ho- any action of any sort around that <laughs> top uh, victory banner, which all the combat... I just, I just want to say I love the fact that the, the final third of the game can be called quite late in the game. <laughs> when yeah. you're only playing for 15 minutes. I love right. that. In the final four and a half minutes... <laughs> <laughs> It's a full two uh, cups of coffee. The game is a full two cups of coffee long. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let's go over some hard data, shall we? Sure. Uh, noticing uh, as far one one of the there there are many ways you can sort of gauge your performance uh, in a game of Dawn of Two. Uh, one of the quick things to jump to is what level did your commander reach? Basically, how well did you use your commander? Uh, well, Troy well. wins that battle. I, I got up to level eight. Level eight. Got level uh, eight. Me and Bruce got, got to level seven. Uh, Julian got to level four. Oh, I did get four right at the end. I didn't even you know dinged that. four. Yes. Pathetic. Uh, however, however, I think my commander score was actually higher than yours because I was doing what Space Marine Commander does, which is go stand in there and wait in and kill. No, you. I'm afraid you you lost the commander score as well. <laughs> yours Do was. You? Uh, I thought that was the only thing I did better than you at. You, I got 124 commander score. You got 104. I mean, that, part of the commander score is what level you reach. The other is how many times you got killed. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, Troy never lost his commander once. Well done, Troy. Thank really? you. Uh, I thought I, did I kill? Who did I kill? I must have killed your... So your, Bruce died. His commander died twice. It looks like Troy's died zero times. Uh, of the two kills against me and two against Julian's commander, Bruce got one of them. Troy got three of them. Troy was the great... Commander killer in this game. Uh, let's see. Other. Let's look at units lost. Who took the most casualties? That, that's another interesting thing to look at. Uh, that would be, and this is no surprise, the Tyranids. I lost forty-five units. Uh, but that's because they are massive. Like a dollar. Exactly. Exactly. It's a little misleading. Uh, they're they're sort of the meat grinder race. Uh, Bruce did a great job of survivability. He only lost eleven units. Well done, Mr. Garrick. Dr. Uh, let's see. Resources. Now, resources is a little misleading uh, because 
it tends to even out in a way. Here's one of the things about Dawn of War 2 that's under the hood that I'm not sure many people know about. You know how in Warcraft 3, based on the number of units you have, and this is clearly displayed on the screen, there's a modifier to your resource income. So, for instance, once you get 30 units, you're only making 75% of your resources. Once you hit 50 units, you're making 50% of your resources. I don't know that those are the right numbers. <laughs> but, but in Warcraft 3, it's very explicit. There's a, there's a penalty to your income based on how many units you have. That's also the case in Dawn of War 2, but it's not indicated anywhere. Uh, so as you're losing, like when Julie and I lost all of our units and both got wiped, our resource level went up. Um, so that's uh, one of the things going on under the hood that they don't really tell you about. Another thing, I'm not sure if you guys know this, the longer you hold a resource point, the higher its income goes. Yeah, that I knew. Yeah. It sort of okay. self-levels up. Yeah. So it behooves you, and this is another thing the Tyranids are good at, to run around with cheap units, and, and even if you immediately lose them, to recapture the guy's resource points. Um, so there are all sorts of equalizing factors in Dawn of War 2, uh, you guys totally outproduced us on power uh, by See, about... I'm, I'm, I'm surprised by that, because I had a really hard time with power there for most of the game. Yeah. I think you I usually do. In a, in a game... Yeah, I think power... Yeah, in, in a game well-played, you're always probably going to be hurting for power. That tends to be a limiting factor. Um, Did anybody throw down any, any generators? Because I never really got the chance to. I, was always I under threw down seven of them. Oh, there we go. Jesus. Yep. Yeah. You guys were clearly just playing three. a different game than I was. Julian, you threw down no generators. You're fired. No. None. None. <laughs> I was just trying uh, to survive. So for the overall scores, just for, for those uh, keeping tabs out in podcast land, uh, the grand score winner was Troy with 715 points. <laughs> Bruce, you came in second place, 664 points. Well done. Now, of course, you get more points when you're on the winning team. Uh but then uh, me and Julian, third and fourth place at 371 and 247 points. I got, I got, I got a rock. That's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that really struck me in that game as I was playing it, um, I haven't played much Dawn of War too recently. Uh, Bruce and I played earlier this afternoon just to test our connection. Oh, uh, that's what it is. You guys had a whole strategy session ahead of times. How are we gonna You've get already had time? your practice game. I can't uh, believe it. Uh, and if that's just how, how fast the game is. Um, how hard it is to really get a sense of everything oh. that's going on. Uh, no kidding. I hate that. You hate that? I really do wish that you could notch the speed down like you could yeah. in the original Dawn of War. And, I mean, Bruce, surely you feel the same way. You and I are like old, slow strategy gamers. I mean, I, I just... Oh, yeah. It's this so game could be fast. played. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, this game could be played at about one-third the speed that it currently plays at, and it would still be fine with me. Yeah. Yep, I agree completely. And there's so much to admire. It's not like we'd be like bored or twiddling our thumbs. There's always something happening. There's always something to look at. There are well, decisions to, to the be contrary, made. contrary, I always feel like I'm missing something. I mean, I always feel like, oh, crap, there's a unit on the other side of the board I forgot to pick up when I did my sweep. Well, my, my big issue with the speed is it makes it very hard for me to take advantage of all the neat stuff in Relic's RTS system, like using cover, like setting up uh, entrenched uh, yeah. fences, yeah. all that stuff, because everything just moves so quickly that I've got to move on to the next power node uh, before right. the Tyranids grab it. Yeah. I mean, there's the, there was a point in the game, and, and hopefully uh, people who are interested can 
download the uh, the replay that we're going to post and, and look at it yourselves. But um, I sent a Devastator squad up to the top uh, power. Uh, sorry, victory point. The, t- the top victory point location also had a, a power node right next to it. And so I sent a Devastator squad just up there, set it up in some cover, and just left them there. And then I completely forgot about them because I was just running around doing st- – and I have no idea whether they killed anybody, whether you know anybody that, – That's my point is you end up leaving a unit on because you, you forget right. to get it when you do a sweep right. of the board. Right? Exactly. Now, before you – those guys were definitely not wasted, Bruce, because at one point I sent my commander, who's the, the uh, uh, Lichter uh, – Tyranid. He's the guy who can grab people with tentacles. I uh-huh. sent him and a squad of, I think they were the basic Hormagons, which are my crappy little melee guys. I sent them up there to grab those points uh, and had to engage that thing. And it ended up, you know, I ended up killing it, but I took losses. It, it burned some of the time. And when you're talking about a 14-minute game, time, every, you know, every moment spent fighting that guy was basically uh, a return on the investment of the resources you spent on him. So him being up there was a great move. You may not have even realized it. I mean, you, you didn't realize it. You just looked up there at one point and they vanished, but yeah. they served their purpose. They were That was a great move, and I think it paid off you doing that, even though you never knew. Yeah, I never knew. And that's and like, like you said, that's the kind of thing – I mean, the, the detail on these, um, on these uh, unit models and everything is so great, and I really like the Warhammer you know, 40K universe, and it would be so much – better for me as a guy trying to sort of just play a game and escape from reality to be able to issue my orders and then look at the great animations that Relic has done and, and sort of enjoy the whole uh, the whole setting. There we are back to setting. Uh, rather than just clicking around crazily like saying, okay, this, send this guy to this node and that guy to that node and then hit F1 to get my uh, base back and click on something and then by that time these guys are already fighting or they're almost dead, and then you have to click, you know, select them, hit X, have them run back. I mean, it's completely, you have absolutely zero time to appreciate any of the things that Relic has put into the game. I just find that odd. Yeah. And and they don't seem to understand that at Relic. I mean, they, they have no sense for, at least from what I've heard and what I've seen them post on the official forums, they have no sense for that the game is too fast and that some people would like so, it to be slowed but, down. But, 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 but a company of heroes doesn't move as <clears throat> fast. So somebody at Relic understands that if you're going to do a World War II movie, people want to see the soldiers. So this is this is my opportunity to plug what I think is <clears throat> the single greatest innovation in real-time strategy gaming in the last two years or three, which is the variable time scale by vote in DEF CON. To me, that was... The most, I mean, maybe, and now you're going to tell me it was in some game before this, but to me, the ability to just right there on the screen, just very quickly be able to say, I want the game to go at speed three, and whatever the slowest speed everybody wants is the one it goes at, is every single RTS should have that feature. Well, yeah, I mean, let's see, I can, uh, yeah, there are plenty of games with uh, variable speeds, dynamic variable speeds that you can change in the game, but you're right, that, that cool little voting feature uh, in DEFCON, I forgot about that. That is that is very well, because nice. It's, because it's very, it is something that changes so much mid-game, right? In the beginning, like in the first 30 seconds, most people want it to go fairly slowly because slowly, you're trying to figure out what the hell you're doing, right? But there are definitely stretches in most RTSs where you're like, you know what, this could go faster because I'm sending a guy all the way across the board. I'd be just fine if things sped up for 35 seconds 
And then I, you know, oh, well, then I have three things click and I have a technology tree that finishes. Let me slow it down again. And right. that to me, I, I, why is that feature not in this and every other RTS? There's no reason. I, can, I, I do. I can. Un- Go ahead, Bruce. I'm sorry. No, I, I was just going to say that I think that there's some, I think there's some uh, sort of generational gap going on here because it really does seem to me like a lot of the, uh, I'm going to use this term and I, I can't stand it because it makes me sound old, younger players uh, feel that it's some sort of uh, validation of their, I don't know, uh, inherent physical prowess, which is ridiculous in terms of a computer game in the first place. And they can play it at very high speeds, and it seems to me that, you know, I could play this game just as high speed as as that if all I did was spend all my time every day playing the game. But I don't. I've, this is the first time I've played the game in three weeks. So, uh, you know, when you when you acclimate to something like that, I mean, you can certainly do it. Uh, it's just like anything else. You know, the more times you do it, and the more times you do repetitively and do the same thing, you sort of uh, you can sort of mentally automate certain things. And then when you have time away from it, you lose that. So. Um, I just I think it's relic not really believing that you know people who are you know over twenty two uh, play and enjoy their games. Well, I mean you see the same with EALA. I mean Red Alert three moves very very quickly, too quickly. Oh God, yeah, that uh, Troy. <sighs> I mean, you're, you're, That's you're, a worst case example of just a completely screwed up sense of pacing and speed. Yeah. Plus your units there are super fragile. So they move quickly and they die quickly. So it's a, the first ten minutes of a game are frustration, unless you are you know some super player or you have one of these no rushing for the first thirty minute rules. I Which mean, is hilarious, by the way. I love oh, that. Yeah, it's hilarious. But one uh, like Bruce, you you also I, again not an excuse. Uh, you guys beat us fair and square. But one of the things where I was totally screwed on. Uh, so, so that that issue of speed, it it also favors certain types of players. If, for instance, I was thinking Julian with just a bunch of ranged units uh, is playing a fast game, he can just give someone an attack move. Mm-hmm. They will go forward. They'll stop with their when they're within range, and they'll fire at enemies. That's fairly e- relatively easy to do, even if the game is going very fast. One point early in the game, I had all my melee units selected. I'd given them an attack move, mm-hmm. and they came upon. Uh, Troy's and Bruce's ranged units like set up, and I wanted to divide my guys and to each individually go to enough. a different. At the pace, you cannot do it. At, at a more reasonable pace, I could have easily done it. It's what I intended to do, but the game was just going too fast, and it really disadvantaged well, someone with that kind of tactic. I also a big a big micro thing that I was wanting to do, uh, and I love this little gimmick because it's such a great sort of poke in the eye to the other player, is the Lictor hero and his second-tier melee guy can shoot out those barbed hooks and pull ranged guys out of their position. And yeah. I love doing that. That's great, but it's such a little micro thing. It's based right. on the, the unit's mana bar slowly filling up. Right. Uh, and that's just, at, at a slower pace, that's just a great gameplay element. At a faster pace, it just kind of runs away from me. Well, the kind of, at a faster pace, it's also very shocking when it happens. When it happens to your guy, and just this thing reaches out and grabs you, uh, that's pretty pretty impressive at the, when it happens at a good speed. Julian yeah. has a counter-argument. Yeah, the counter-argument to that, which I don't agree with, but I've heard this from plenty of players, is that is that in a game like Dawn of War 2, you are actually rewarding reaction time. 
right? You're bringing some of that first-person shooter sense to the game so that your ability to say, oh, crap, my melee guys are screwed. I need to hit, you know, uh, shift one, two, and three and grab these guys and put them over there and, you know, hit four and take this guy and put it over there and flank them. There are players who are fast enough on their feet that they were right. on their fingertips. Right, but the that point, they can't why are you, pull that off? The counter, why are you the making counter a counter argument that you don't even believe? No, no, no. Well, I, mean, I believe that that's a valid argument because they're no, it isn't. A game for that. Wait, kind what of is the argument? Hold on, I want to get to this. What is the argument? Because I, I think this. I'm going to blow this, it up already, but go ahead. The argument will, yeah. is the argument is that there are certain players who will develop and appreciate and and want to sort of thrive on the skill of being able to have very quick reaction times to make those kinds of decisions. And how does, Julian, a variable speed negatively impact those players? Because what uh, happens because, is that they, because they're not allowed to play matters. at their higher speed. No, <laughs> they can play at their higher speed. Well, it depends on how you have it set. Nobody will right? want so, to. Nobody like in Death Time, you, you can set whether it's like goes by the highest requested speed or the lowest requested speed. I guarantee speed you that if you have a variable speed and you've got kids like that playing Dawn of War 2, which you do, they will have plenty of opponents who want to play at a faster speed. You know, now, I, what, you what, know what you're getting at, Julian, and I'll, I'll grant you this, is that when I asked uh, Johnny Ebert about this, he's the lead developer on the game, I got to talk to him a little bit before it came out, and I asked him about a variable speed, they, they're a little worried about options that fragment the community. They want games that you just jump into and they run. If there's some people, and, and maybe they had some experience with this in the original Dawn of War, I don't know. Uh, but if there's some games that are slow, you know, are players going to not want to play those? If somebody wants to play a slow game, is that person going to have a hard time finding an opponent? Uh, and I think that might be one of their concerns. I think they've gone way too far to the other extreme. They've removed so many options from something as simple as how you can how you put a game together. I mean, look at look at what. I mean, not to step too far out of the genre, but look at Halo 3 and Halo 2, where there were so many game types that you actually created whole new kinds of games because the tool set just in the lobby was powerful enough to create sort of user-created game types. Dawn <laughs> well, of War 2, I think... Dawn of War 2 has gone the opposite direction where there's, like, there's nothing you can really tweak about how a game is going to unfold. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that's an intentional design decision. And oh, I agree. Of course, and I, think it's we're, I, I wish that I wish that they would just give us back. And I'm okay with that for the most part. I just want back a variable speed. I just want to be able to slow down and appreciate the game and yeah, send I, out. Well, my I agree. Personally, as a player, I totally agree. Yes. Yeah, uh, so, I agree. With, I don't think that anybody's disagreeing with you except Troy. I disagree with everyone. <laughs> but look, that, that guy is so incalcitrant. That Troy fellow. I'm just saying incalcitrant. Uh, that's, what's the word I'm looking for? Recalcitrant? Uh, yeah, he's that too. Wow, at least he's not overbearing. <laughs> Inflexible. He's intolerant. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> I'm sitting here with my arms folded, scowling. He, he's biased. <laughs> How could you scowl? You were the winner. Yeah. <laughs> scowling at the words coming out of your mouth. Uh, so let's focus on the positive, though. I mean, we have a lot of complaints about how the game is designed, uh, how hard it is to enjoy an overwhelming, <laughs> smashing victory, because uh, things just move too quickly for the the, 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 the glorious general. It's not the same as bad. It's just hard to enjoy. Well, when I when I'm winning by that much, I want to you know see it in slow motion with music. Yeah, I think it's well that. I mean, the bottom line on this game: is Space Marines. I mean, it's just that's. 
I don't. There's so much positive about this game, and it's so much that I like about the game, and you know, the rest of the stuff is kind of. I mean, I'm, the problem is I'm never going to play this game against anybody except you guys because I'm just not going to be able to get online. I mean, I, I play this game. I, this is the first time I played the game in I think three weeks, and before that I think it was another week or two weeks before I had played it before that. So I mean, I'm never going to get enough time with the game to be able to. Uh, even be remotely competitive in a in a you know online matching kind of situation, but I just like to be able to play the game kind of as it is meant to be, and then sort of get the whole strategy and and build order and cute tricks I can you know pick up or not pick up. But I just I, at the at the game speed that it's supposed to be played, I just don't feel like I would even begin to have a chance online, and I, I don't have enough time. I have, I have basically zero free time. I'm certainly not going to spend any of it trying to play a game in which I'm just going to get crushed in about the first, you know, six minutes. Do you feel like the game is plays at a different p- place in the single-player campaign? Because I really do. Well, well, single-player I'm sure single doesn't, literally, I'm sure the units don't actually move across the board slower. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess. Well, the, 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 that's because so much of it is scripted. Yeah, I mean, it's just you just move from from one stupid encounter to other stupid encounter. I mean, I understand but that I that's really how it actually happens in game. real life. But I mean, uh, but I really enjoyed the, the single player game. I enjoyed really getting did to you? know my I, yeah. Oh, geez. And then did you like hitting the little space bar when they said whatever they were saying? And then you had to go, you know, collect the money and get a job, and then spend you're the money on a, the you train. Know, you're not a very you. nice person. You know that. <laughs> Uh, the funny thing about the, and this is actually the case with a lot of RTSs, Julian, the, the single player game appeals to no part of me that likes the, the multiplayer or skirmish game. I mean, I really dig this game, but what I dig about it, none of that really is in the single player game. Uh, I can't dispute that you enjoy it. That's great. It's fun, sure. But no, what I get out of Dawn of War for 2, me, right? It's fine for, for people like me, that would be fine. <laughs> well, no, I'm well, actually, it's, it's, it's that's a whole different. It's a series of scripted encounters where you level up a dude or a bunch of dudes, and you get to give them little uh, uh, inventory trinkets. And I, no, I totally understand the appeal of well, that. And I'm RPG? not saying that. No, I get, I get that the part of it that I liked was the RPG part. I get that. Oh, I want to get. I want to come to Julian's defense here because I mean, it's totally. I, I'm. I'm kind of. I'm kind of done with the whole idea of of making there's nothing there's nothing morally or intellectually superior about wanting to play a game and have it you know, be one way or the other it's in the I'll, example is that a friend of mine I actually uh didn't play this uh at home I'm on vacation so I had to uh very kindly borrow a, a friend's computer setup uh who also has Dawn of War 2 and uh yesterday when we were setting the game up and making sure that it worked because he was going to be at work and I was going to be uh, playing with you guys uh we I noticed that he had a he had a uh, 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 desktop shortcut to Stalin versus Martians, and I thought, oh my god, <laughs> are, you're playing that game? And this is a guy who plays you know tons of computer games. He's you know been playing for years. Is you know played uh, you know Seven Cities of Gold back in like 1985, um, and uh, I said, dude, what are you doing playing Stalin versus Martians? And he's like, I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of cool, and. Uh, I said, well, I hear the AI in that is just terrible. And he said, you know, AI is really overrated. And I said, what are you talking about? I said, don't you just, like, lasso your units and, like, just go kill things? He goes, dude, I'm kind of done with challenges in games. I just don't need that kind of stress. And and to a certain extent, I mean, 
that's he bought the game and he's playing it for some some satisfaction that he gets out of it. And to to say that a guy who's incredibly you know professionally and successful and you know just generally successful is is somehow less of a person or less and, and that's the <laughs> argument that we made. I mean that's that's an argument that you made on these these uh, these message boards, right? Who, who, oh, all the time, yeah, absolutely. right. Because there are kids who have no other. Well, no, but um, it's a. But it's a real clear, clear difference, right? He's playing right. Stalin versus Martians as a story game. Well, just for, but for whatever escape or release it gives him, it, and it doesn't. And the fact that he's not solving complex, you know, complex uh, logical and constructs that he probably does, you know, every day at work. Uh, just it's 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 it, the, the whole argument that games, you know, these kitty games. Uh, you know, I love in the you know kitty or whatever because you don't you have to click too fast or something like that because you're if you're you know if you solve complex tactical problems then you're somehow you know a better person. It's just ridiculous, and it, it, it's ridiculous on and basically every level that it's presented, whether it's by you know kids who haven't really you know accomplished or achieved anything and therefore use games as a as a sort of uh, you know hierarchy kind of uh, setting tool, which is, you know, fine in that context, or people who, for some reason, get all their enjoyment out of games, you know, solely out of games, and therefore have to, you know, assign them this incredibly uh, artificial and inflated relevance. So, I at, mean... At least your friend bought it for $6, right? I mean, he didn't go out there and actually, spend $6. Actually, uh, his wife just passed me a note, because she's uh, sitting over here as, as I talk, <laughs> <laughs> and she says, I bought it for him. So it was a gift from his wife. <laughs> there you go. The marketing I, I wins. Think, you, uh, your argument's a little specious, Bruce, because I don't think any of us is saying what you're refuting. Uh, I, I, no, but you the, were giving me you were giving me tangential crap for even exactly. appreciating. And I was coming to Julian's no, defense. I absolutely. Uh, let's go back to the tape. Totally were. You were totally. No, no. I, I'm going to take. I'm going to side with Thomas. But Thomas saying is you know. You can get enjoyment out of the story-based campaign, but any enjoyment you get is only tangentially related to what the rest of the game is about. And there are a lot of good RTS story-based, not a lot, there are a few very good story-based campaigns in the RTS world. Uh, but what makes them good, I mean, Julian, you say you like the role-playing stuff in, you know, the Dawn of War 2 campaign. Uh, and pretty good at that, but are you going to use any of that when you play a skirmish game? No. Is that have anything to do with the uh, tactical design or the combat model? No, it's just part of the story and the way it's and, told. And, and just real quick to, to further on what Troy is saying, because Troy, I think you're absolutely, that's, that's an accurate portrayal of the point I was trying to make. To further what Troy is saying is who is to say, because I'm not, and I don't think you are, Julian, and certainly not Bruce, uh, who is to say what is the main part of Dawn of War 2? Is it the multiplayer skirmish game? Is it the campaign? I mean, you buy it, you get both of those things, you may only enjoy one or the other, but you're still getting well, a pretty much a, a full package. You're getting well, a full game. They're two very different both, kinds no, of I, I would I would say it's clear that the multiplayer and the skirmish stuff is the core of the game because they're not patching new campaign content. Hmm, that's I, I do think that I think there will be more though, Troy. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure, but but I think they do realize there are people who, like Julian who get more out of the single player campaign than the multiplayer. Which, which, I, I've talked. I, I mean, don't know. You guys. You guys talk to developers all the time, too, but I, I'll tell you, I talk to an awful lot of developers who tell me that even with their dominant multiplayer games, when they actually have a chance to go back and look at logs, they're always surprised at how much single-player gets played versus multiplayer. Right, but it's often single-player skirmish. 
uh, which is, oh. you know, based on the single player, based largely on the same mechanics you would find in multiplayer, only it's an idiot computer on the other end. Right. Speaking of idiot computers, has anyone tried the Dawn of War uh, 2 AI since the most recent, this time it's not broken patch? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I ran it through a skirmish game, uh, I guess the day after the patch came out, and it seemed to be a little smarter, but it's still, I put it on, so there's four settings, there's like a, uh, uh, little girl setting, there's normal setting, there's hard, and there's expert. So uh, I was playing it on hard because I believe on expert it relies heavily on the AI getting resource advantages, uh, that sort of thing. So I played it on expert and won pretty easily even though I hadn't played in a couple of weeks. Uh, but it seemed to do less blatantly retarded stuff. Uh, uh, so I, I'm, uh, I give it a sort of qualified thumbs up to a better AI. I still think it's pretty weak though. And there's another patch coming already announced. Oh, there is. What's it doing? 1.4, many bug fixes. Uh, oh, okay. Many or many? Like little bug fixes or lots of bug so fixes? Quote, many bug fixes, a balance update, new maps, and some awesome new features. Awesome new features. I like the sound of that. Uh, uh, what do you guys think of the new, uh, what are called decorators? Did did those help you? Certainly someone like Bruce, who hasn't been in the game in a while, did oh, that help you much, Bruce? On top of people's heads, telling them what yeah. they were. No, so it's like a fist, it's a melee it, unit, it's a bullet. I barely had time to look at them. So. Exactly. It didn't, didn't help me at all, just moved too quickly. They were just big glowing dots. Yeah, I, okay. could, I, I could more easily pick out which of my guys had the grenade, and that was handy. <laughs> I, I, I personally found it very helpful in terms of like where to send my Tyranids. Like, okay, that's a ranged unit, go over there. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite fine in the new decorators. I do think it, it's got a little bit of a learning curve in terms of knowing what to look for. But I, I think they did a good job with those. Uh, well, that seems to be the standard startup hint now. And I think it will be right. uh, for right. a while. So that'll help us. Um, so any more reflections on how the game went? What you would do different next time? I would kill Troy, Tom what do you think of the Eldar? How, how, did that, how does that work for you? Okay, you I'm a big it? fan of the Eldar. I like the Eldar. They have a nice variety of units. They have some really neat powers. I like the Eldritch Storm. Um, and I teleported some um, wraith dudes in the middle of uh, one battle that really turned it. Mm. I think I really like uh, a lot of the stuff the Eldar have going on. I don't have a firm grasp on the support hero. I don't tend to use her very much. Uh, so you were the main... Uh, were you the, ma- the main hero or the... The, which the, one sec- the, the second one. And um, what does he get? What does he do? He... One of his weapons, he can like shoot lightning or something. Kind of a ranged uh, suppression hero. The he's warlock. a wizard. He's a warlock. He's a wizard. Fine, whatever. No, the, war- the warlock's the first guy. He's the he's yeah. the combat guy. No, it, it isn't that guy. It's the next one. Okay. Because I forget. The, the thing with um the thing with the Eldar, and I really like the Eldar too. Of course, I can't really play them very well. Um, but they have they're for very cheap. You get some kind of protective uh protective shield yeah, around the, the bubble. Yeah. yeah, the little bubble. I love the little bubbles, and that's once again, this is another like just to to echo Tom's point that he uh, I think is a great observation, which is that uh, you know the speed sort of uh, favors dip one playstyle over another. I love the bubbles. There's the Iron Halo for the Space Marines, and I get that as quickly as possible because what I do is I just click on the Iron Halo, and then I can kind of go away for a little while, and I know that that guy's not going to get killed right away. Does it um, make him invulnerable? Yeah, for a little for a short period of time. I actually think the the Eldar uh, thing lasts longer, or it seems to. Um, but I've had great 
uh, luck, just leveling up the Eldar uh, warlock melee guy, giving mm-hmm. him all the super weapons that you know the one that drains uh, you get you get uh, mana when you when you kill people, and then you get the, uh, the the bubble of invulnerability, and then you just keep hitting it, and then killing people, and hitting it, and killing people. It's kind of uh, and it's, it seems like a totally cheese tactic, but uh, it's very good for somebody who can't spend a lot of time uh, or is not able to um, kind of take in the battle at the speed that it's supposed to go. <laughs> and Bruce so. and Julian, were you guys both the force commander? Yes. yes. Okay. Did anybody use much uh, hero, like, war equipment? Like that Iron Halo, Bruce, is that one of the equip- like the things that you buy for your hero, one of the inventory yeah. items? Yeah, okay. actually, I, I, I upgraded to the, um, whatever, the power sword. Uh, and then I got the armor, and then I got the Iron Halo uh, ones. Oh, your guy was totally kitted out. I got the level oh, three. I got the armor. Yeah, yeah. That wh- that seemed to work. I mean, anything that 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 increases that guy's survivability, and once again allows me to leave him alone without paying right. attention to him for longer right. yeah, periods of time. Really helps. He's a wade-in dude, right? You need to let him be able to just wade in and kill. Exactly. Him. But the faster you know, and then and then you can go set up other stuff, and then. The longer that interval is between clicking on him, clicking on his target, and then coming back to him, uh, the better for me because I can't really handle uh, dealing with everything going on. And it, the Space Marines are great for me also because, you know, limited number of units. Uh, I don't have to keep track of so many things at one time. Uh, I can't figure out how to use the scouts properly. Maybe somebody can explain that to me. The point of scouts really in the early game is move fast, get out of the way, take points, take resources. Yeah, I That's, agree with you. It's really what I, scouts are. But then you're done, and then and you what never do you do build them? them again. I never yeah. build them after mid game. I mean, I just, build like three units in the beginning, and then I'm done with them. Yeah. yeah. They also have the sniper rifle, which is which I always want to use because it seems like it would be such a great weapon. But you have to spend so much time building the sniper rifle, I and mean, you have to build the sniper part of a scout up. Well, right? you have to. I mean, it's not like you have to get the second level stronghold first, and then right. you can build the sniper rifle. Right. 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 Well, but then if you're if your scout and he gets killed, then you have to buy him the sniper rifle again. And exactly, I mean, yeah. by the That's time you get to all that point, I personally don't have the patience, and so I end up just building something at level two instead. So there's a couple of ways you can go with scouts. You can do the shotgun thing, which incapacitates the target, knocks it over, or you can do snipers, which makes the scouts better standoff units uh, against infantry. Um, but then later in the game, they're valuable for cloaking them. Uh, although I think the word for cloaking is infiltrating. Uh, And then they can move around in the rear and grab uh, the spare um, resource and victory points. Um, And then, of course, there is the early game scout spam, where because scouts don't cost any power, you just build a whole mess of those and then rush them at the opponent. Right. That was my point. Okay. That that would be the the cheap-ass way that I used them right in the beginning. I mean, that's that's fairly easy to counter once you know that the other guy is doing that. Okay. but if you don't expect that, that can be effective. That's you know sort of the whole point of a rush. There you go. At the campaign, I found the scout super overpowered. Really? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Don't they get a super bomb thing or? You get the charges. You get to sneak around behind anybody because they're idiots, so they never see you. He sniped like crazy. He, he mm. was awesome, but I, I've never found a whole lot of use for them in skirmish. But. So one thing I'm I'm kind of looking forward to. I mean, one reason also that I'm so not into playing the campaign is I'm, I'm sick of playing the Space Marines. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, if they're, I, I hope that they've got in the works some kind of cool Tyranid and Eldar and Orc campaign. And by the way, so we, we had no Orcs this game. 
We uh, did. Um, which, if we play another orc RTS in the future, we'll have to make sure there's an orc side so they can talk with a Scottish accent or whatever. Yeah, no love for the poor orcs. <laughs> like uh-huh. soccer hooligans or whoever orcs talk. Yeah, I don't think they're Scottish. I think they're Cockney. Uh, Cockney. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a big difference. The UK, those people, they're all the same. The UK, the oh, traditional games workshop, the, the traditional games workshop orc is is sort of like a Cockney, occasionally verging on Welsh. Depends on Whoa. which version you get. Now they they are. If you go through the whole games workshop thing, the the lingo that that permeates the orcs and goblins tribes tends to either be Cockney or Welsh, and it randomly bolts together. But it isn't real Welsh because they have vowels. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Like, wah! Yeah. So, this has been our first uh, Tom versus Bruce versus Troy versus Julian. The score is Troy and Bruce 1. Tom Wait a minute, Troy. we haven't played our game yet. Now that we've talked about the game, we actually play, right? That first thing didn't count. Oh my <laughs> god, you guys are totally. You're moving the goalpost. That's, that's, I want to play something. All, all I want to say is I want to play something turn based next time. Yeah. Uh, oh, we'll. There's going to be a link to this uh, replay at the bottom of this podcast. There will be a link to the replay. Uh, you will be able to download from uh, the podcast main site, and there will be a link to it on the post describing it on Flash of Steel, and you can load it into your uh, Dawn of War 2 setup and watch the slaughter happen. If oh, any you list- know what? I'd, I'd kind of rather that people didn't, because there's a really embarrassing moment early on in the game that I'd like people not to see. And that's when I was playing and I looked down and suddenly had like 1,200 resources that I hadn't spent. That's that's a terribly embarrassing, like, really? newbie gap. Yeah, but now yeah, you'd rather it. nobody saw that. <laughs> now you put it out hmm. there. Yeah, don't, whatever you do, don't fast forward to like the, I don't know, seven minute point and look at how many resources I have. Just don't do that. <laughs> Wait, so here I was. Look at me at all. Come on. Here I was waiting for my supply counter to count up to 400 so I could go to the next tier, and you were sitting on 1,200 worth of, whatchamacallits? Something like that, yeah. Also, don't look at the point where I've got all my units selected and I'm trying to sub-select them and send them to different places, and then they all go to each place in succession because I wasn't selecting them correctly. So don't look... If you see the Tyranids sort of doing some, like, retarded shuffle where they're going one place and then another and then back and forth while they're being shot at the whole time... Hey, come on, I grew up in the 70s. It's called the hustle. Ha! <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't look at my Tyranid Control hustle. groups. Control groups. I tried... Oh, for Pete's sake... By the way, so there's a new feature which I didn't get to use where supposedly you can target units by clicking on their little uh, windows on the right, which is helpful if you're like, I don't know, if you've got healing powers or, or some such thing. Where are those windows, Tom? On the right. Exactly. Those little, not point. the windows, the little, the little unit <laughs> portraits on the right. No, I'm saying, yeah, that's where you should go for all your answers. All right. <laughs> oh, you will get, get in a political dig. Oh, okay. You have to get politics in right at the end, don't you? That's perfectly fine. Uh, next week, I want to spend some time talking about the map series, which I hope to finish up. Uh, when I write up my episode in The Sims uh, on Tuesday, and then we will I'll finish it up at the end of the week with uh, Rise of Nations, and then I'm hoping instead of writing up an epilogue, uh, next week's podcast will be the epilogue on maps and map design. Julian, sadly, will not be able to, to join us, I guess. No, I will be hosting uh, 25 in my all too small house playing war games. Julian's going to having a, having a war gaming orgy uh, at his house. Yes. Uh, oh, I hope so you it's would... an editorial Tom versus Bruce then. Yes. So 
I hope you enjoyed uh, our discussion of the multiplayer uh, game we played. If you have any suggestions for future games, hopefully not something too old or too boring. Um, Wait, we I, can do old and boring. We well, are old and boring. So, we are uh, old and boring. Our, exactly. our, our very next thing will be Rise and Fall, Civilizations at War. Ooh, maybe we shouldn't do old and boring now. <laughs> No. no. Uh, but feel free to fill the comments section or send me an email with suggestions, and uh, we'll see what we can work up and see if we can do these every uh, five or six weeks or so, maybe even every month if we run out of other topics. Uh, thanks for listening, and st- keep listening, I guess. <laughs> say goodbye, everyone. Advice. See you next yeah, week. Good advice, good. everyone. Yeah, say goodbye, everyone. <laughs> goodbye, Good night, everyone. all. All right, now let's play the real game. Making interest so back, don't 